John chapter 8, starting at verse 12, I'll be reading uh, to verse 30. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, you're making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, these claims are valid even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and I know where I'm going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I don't judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I'm not alone. The Father who has sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. Where is your Father? they asked. Jesus answered, Since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my Father is. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury. But he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. Later, Jesus said to them again, I am going away. You will search for me, but you will die in your sin. You cannot come where I am going. The people asked, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean? You cannot come where I am going. Jesus continued, you are from, from below. I am from above. You belong to this world. I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Who are you? They demanded. Jesus replied, the one I have always claimed to be. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. But they still didn't understand that he was talking about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the light that leads to life. And our desire this morning is that our eyes might continue to be open so that we might know you better. And so we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's talk about the context that's here in John chapter 8, when Jesus stands up and he says that I am the light of the world. He's saying this during a huge festival. He's saying this during a massive celebration called the Feast of Tabernacles. And when I say celebration, I'm saying massive, like taco trucks and piñatas, like ribs on the grill, unending watermelon, and overflowing Chick-fil-A iced tea, bounce houses and balloon animals, and a dance floor filled with friends. This Feast of the Tabernacles was a seven-day-long festival. But it was a time when the Jewish people would gather in Jerusalem and they would erect tents and they would live in those tents for seven days while the feasting and the celebration continued. And during that time, they remembered the 40 years that the Israelites wandered in the wilderness. 
It was a point in which they remembered the Lord's provision and constant protection and leading of his people. And one of those, one of the things that happened during this festival in the court of, of the temple were these massive lamps that were erected in, in the courtyard. And every night that they were lit, they would illuminate the entire city. And there, under the glow of, of the light, with the, with the context of the, the lamps behind him, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Telling the crowd that, remember that pillar of fire that led your, your mothers and your fathers in, in the wilderness? You remember that pillar of fire that as it would move, they would follow it. I'm the light of the world. I'm the one that is your salvation and deliverance. I'm the one that will be your guide. And so, rightly so, the, the, the Pharisees come and respond and say, what authority do you have to say these things? How dare you say these things about yourself? How can we, how can we believe that your testimony is valid? And so Jesus tells them, listen, my testimony is unique because I know who I am. I know where I've come from, and I know where I'm going. But the problem is, is you're going to have a really difficult time examining my statement, my testimony, my witness of who I am, because you're from the world and I'm not. And so what's happening, like Pastor Rose highlighted for us a handful of weeks ago, is that there are, John is showing us these multiple times that Jesus is on trial even before he is on trial the night before his crucifixion. There are these constant times when Jesus is being examined by Pharisees and religious leaders and the crowds trying to say, how is it that you say these things about yourselves? But here is gracious and patient Jesus who longs for humanity to understand who he is. And so he comes at it from another angle and he tells them, listen, your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness and my father who sent me is the other. Jesus is pointing the crowd to the fact that he, his, his testimony is valid even by their own standards. The trouble is they don't know the father and they don't know the son. And while that's not enough for them from their vantage point, as Jesus explains it to them, it's what better witness could he give? What better testimony could there be? Jesus is coming and he's, look, I'm from above and I am telling you, I am the light of the world. And so ultimately the crowd is left with one option. They must believe who Jesus is according to Jesus's own words. He must be the one that is the foundation of their belief. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And faith will always be founded in him. The gracious and patient Jesus desires for humanity to know who he is. He's constantly pursuing us being awakened to an understanding of his heart for us. That we would accept 
his testimony of who he is. And so in the language, in the context of courtroom, Jesus gives a stunning final argument. The evidence that will, that will become our aha moment. The moment that we will finally get it and understand who he is. He highlights it for us in verses 27 and 20, 28. It says, but they still didn't understand that he was talking about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. It'll be that point that we fully reject him and crucify him. It'll be there at his biggest point of abandonment, isolation, and rejection. That'll be the point in which we get it. Where the illumination of the cross will finally enlighten our eyes, will finally capture our attention, and we will realize he is who he claims to be. The story goes, the young teenage girl was embarrassed by her mother. But the reason for her embarrassment was because her mom's body was covered in scars. Scars that were clearly visible across her arms and and across her face. But his mom was filled with generosity and love. She loved to shower her daughter with gifts and treats. And so one day she thought that she would surprise her daughter and her whole entire classroom by bringing pizza for a pizza party. And as she got close to the classroom door, the daughter looked up and her face was filled with dread to see her mom approaching the door. And the daughter shot up, ran to the door, and, and ripped into her mom, yelling at her, telling her to go away. The daughter walked back into the classroom, embarrassed. The mother went back to her car, completely dejected. Later on the day when when the daughter got home, she went straight to her room, slammed her door. But the mom went up to her room, knocked on her door, and asked for permission to come in. The The daughter obliged and said yes, she could come in. And so the mom came and sat beside her daughter on on the bed. And she asked if she knew the story of how she got her scars. And the daughter didn't know. And so the mom said that when, when that girl was a baby, their house was caught up in flames. And so the mom did, was held her daughter tight held her up against herself, guarding her from the flames. And her own body 
took the heat of those flames as she escaped the house. Jesus shows us that that it will be at his biggest point of rejection that we will finally get understanding of who he is. That he's not like us. He loves us with an unending love. And the validity of who he is will be found at the cross. And I want you to notice the juxtaposition of the words in verse 28, because I think that they're so worth sitting with and meditating on. It says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am He. It's at Jesus' point of greatest weakness that we will recognize him to be the almighty God. And by laying down his life and being abused by our power, he then shows us his power. He reveals to us that the kingdom, that kingdom power and influence comes through weakness, servanthood, and sacrifice. And so John, I believe, really intentionally uses these words, lift up. Because the point at which we lift Jesus on the cross, the Father will use that moment as a display of Jesus' glory. The Father is lifting the Son up before our eyes. It's the ultimate demonstration of how we do an act of vileness and evil, but God uses that moment as a display of his love and mercy. This is Jesus' argument. This is him saying how he is the light of the world. It's by his death. It's by laying down his life on our behalf. And so finally, let's talk about Jesus's opening words at this passage. He says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. What does it mean to follow Jesus? In our ongoing discipline and longing to follow well, we do so under the illumination of the cross. The cross becomes a life-defining moment for the follower of Jesus. This is what gives our life light. It's what gives us understanding for how we approach every area of our life. To walk with the one who is the light of the world is for the cross to be our defining way of life. I've always loved Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
And this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Church, how will we have power and authority in this world? How will we continue to live out our mandate and calling to be the light of the world? What's our most convincing argument for the validity of who Jesus is? It's by being cross-oriented. It's by an understanding that when we suffer and when we serve and when we sacrifice, we are giving the same testimony that Jesus gave. You'll understand when you lift the Son of Man up on the cross. And this is the testimony of the early church mothers and fathers. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We're going to go to communion in a bit. And as we do so, we recognize that the Lord's Supper happened on the night when he put on the clothes of a servant and washed his disciples' feet. And it was there in that context that he gave the disciples this command. As I have loved you, so you are to love one another. The cross becomes how we see and navigate in the darkness. It is the light that leads to life. And so we will see the way Jesus serves us, and we will in turn seek to serve one another and the world he has called us to love by being cross-oriented. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the great love with which you have loved us. That even when we were sinners, even when we were far away, even when we were without understanding, they still didn't understand. You laid down your life on our behalf. Thank you for your love for us. And Lord, I pray that in our places of weakness, in our places of suffering, in our places of difficulty, that we would have a growing awareness of your presence there with us in those spaces. And I also pray that as we find you in those spaces and learn to follow you in, in those places of difficulty and challenge, that you would use them redemptively. That I think about the Apostle Paul's words that with the comfort that we receive from you, that we would be able to extend that comfort to the people around us. So Lord, thank you that we have this space to say, Lord, may our weaknesses 
become powerful words of testimony of your power and glory. So we say that in Jesus' name. Amen.